If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hey everyone, on today's episode, we've got a lot to talk about, including Nintendo doing good things, doing bad things, and it's Nintendo, so of course they're doing weird things. Uh, We now know what the Capcom countdown was all about. We've got Ubisoft kind of shopping themselves around, and we've got Valve changing the way that sales work on Steam. In addition to that, we've got a whole bunch of people making their own Steam Deck docs before the Steam Deck actually comes out, and... I have a question about what we're going to find out about the Steam Deck and SteamOS 3.0 on Friday. Those stories and more on today's episode of Games with Bill. If that sounds good, let's get started. Let's start things off and talk about Capcom. Capcom had on their website this countdown for multiple days, and there was a lot of speculation as to what it was going to be about. Turns out it is about Street Fighter VI and something else, which I'll talk about in a second. Street Fighter VI will be the first numbered mainline Street Fighter game to come out since 2016. I think that there's probably going to be a lot of interest in it. Now, the thing that I will say about this is that Capcom did a multi-day countdown to a 30-second trailer that showed no gameplay, no platforms, no release date. So it's really an announcement of a future announcement that we will find out at some point in the future, which is, it's fine. I I know that people like to get hyped about stuff and I am one of those people, but I've always said, if you're not going to show me gameplay, don't talk about your game. In addition to that, they also announced this very cool looking collection of fighting games. It's called the Capcom fighting collection and it comes out in June. I think that there's a lot of people who are, they have a lot of nostalgia for these old fighting games. I personally am not one of them, but I will say everything that I saw looked really fun. And so it's definitely something that I will check out if there's a demo or something like that. All right, let's move on and talk about Nintendo. Nintendo, like I said, at the rundown, they got good things, bad things, and weird things. I want to start with the bad things. Um, Nintendo announced recently that they would no longer be accepting payments on the Nintendo Wii U eShop or the 3DS eShop. This is because, I mean, first off, this is inevitable. It's not really that big a deal until you think about the fact that there are games that are on those platforms that you cannot get anywhere else. And when I'm talking about games that are on those platforms, I don't mean games that are for the Wii U. I'm talking about retro games. Nintendo has a really fantastic back catalog if you are into retro gaming. And a lot of those games are trapped on the Wii U and the 3DS because Nintendo, they do this weird thing with their back catalog where they do do a slow drip feed. You know, we have the Nintendo Switch Online, which came to Nintendo Switch. I think it was the year after the Nintendo Switch came out, and it in, it included, uh, you know, NES games, and then eventually Super NES games, and now we have N64 games and Genesis games. But there's a lot of games that are on the 3DS and the Wii U that have not been brought to the Nintendo Switch yet because Nintendo does that drip feed thing, and so. 
while eventually you're no longer going to be able to buy these games later on this year, the big takeaway is, of course, eventually they're going to shut down those servers. And even if you own those games, you won't be able to download them anymore. And a lot of people, uh, myself included, look at this as from a game preservation standpoint as a very, very bad thing because Nintendo is not giving us a way to give them money. Like we want to hand them money. We've got our wallets out and we're like, here's some money. Please let me play your game. And they're like, well, no. Um, and, and that doesn't make any sense to me. It only encourages piracy. I, I think it was uh, Gabe Newell from Valve who said it best. He said piracy is usually not about the money. It's about a service problem and not being able for me to not be able to give a company money to play a game and then have to go out and look for a physical copy. That's not a good scenario. And it only encourages people to pirate games, which I've always been against. And I'm okay with emulation for really old stuff because Nintendo is acting like this. We have this really interesting tweet from the video game uh, history foundation They say, while it's unfortunate that people won't be able to purchase digital 3DS or Wii U games anymore, we understand the business reality that went into this decision. What we don't understand is what path Nintendo expects its fans to take should they wish to play these games in the future. As a paying member of the Entertainment Software Association, Nintendo Nintendo actively funds lobbying that prevents even libraries from being uh, being able to provide legal access to these games. Not providing commercial access is understandable, but preventing institutional work to preserve these titles on top of that is actively destructive to the video game history. We encourage ESA members like Nintendo to rethink their position on this issue and work with existing institutions to find a solution. And then on top of that, there's even this other uh, FAQ bullet point that was removed from Nintendo's FAQ about this, which is very not cool. And here's what it says. Once it is no longer possible to purchase software in the Nintendo eShop on Wii U and 3DS family of systems, many classic games for past platforms will cease to be available for purchase anywhere. Will you make classic games available to own in some other way? If not, then why? Doesn't Nintendo have an obligation to preserve its classic games by continually making them available for purchase? Again, we're just having people who are asking to give you money, Nintendo. Here's Nintendo's response on their FAQ. Across our Nintendo Switch online membership plans, over 130 classic games are currently available in growing libraries for various legacy systems. The games are often enhanced with new features such as online play. We think this is an effective way to make classic content easily available to a broad range of players. We currently have no plans to offer classic content in other ways. That is just about the most tone-deaf response that I have ever heard. And of course, everybody is upset with Nintendo about this because what we're simply asking is please make it so that if I want to give you money to play a game, I can do that without resorting to piracy. And it seems like Nintendo's answer is, 
yeah, we'll do that through a subscription fee and only the games that we specify, not all of them. Now, I do think that it's okay for Nintendo to not provide every single game. That's a ridiculous ask, and it would never happen anyway because of licensing issues. But they should offer every single game that Nintendo has the rights to offer on the the Nintendo Switch eShop for both purchase and through the subscription. And by not doing that, I think it's a huge cop-out, and it's bad for the video game industry as a whole. Now, of course, part of that was taken off of their FAQ, so who knows if they've decided to change their minds about this? Only Nintendo knows. All right. I talked about the bad stuff that the, that Nintendo's doing. Let's talk about the good stuff that they're doing. If you didn't know, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is getting DLC uh, on the Nintendo Switch uh, throughout this year and next year, which is crazy. We're getting f- almost 50 uh, tracks to continue racing on with Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which is, I think, in my opinion, awesome. I'm very much looking forward to it. And... One of the things that I really like is, first off, the DLC is included with your subscription if you are part of the, uh, the the N64 expansion pack thing, which is very cool. I think that that's one way to add value to that expansion pack because a lot of people like me were like, I'm not interested in that expansion pack because it's too expensive. If we keep getting DLC um, attached to that expansion pack, so we don't have to pay for that DLC. That's a that becomes a compelling argument argument. But that's not the, the reason that I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to talk about it because on Nintendo's website, and I think it was the European website, there's this very interesting quote. Basically, courses from wave one of the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Booster Course Pass can be played from the 18th of March locally or online in friend and rivals races even if only one player owns the booster course pass or has access to it as part of the Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pep membership. From March 22nd, courses from Wave 1 will also appear in the random selection when playing global or regional uh, races with anyone online. So essentially what this is saying is, look, you don't have to pay for this you just can't choose the courses unless you pay for it. If you're just playing online and you're in a random match, you're probably going to be doing these races, which is awesome. Now, why would they do this? Well, because they don't want to fragment the player base. They don't want half of the players to not up for the subscription, and that decreases the number of people that you can be matched with because that means you would have longer wait times. So, I really like the way that Nintendo is handling the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe DLC. I think it is an absolutely fantastic bang for your buck. Um, But uh, again, I think that Nintendo still has things that they need to look at because they're not doing everything right. All right, we've we've talked about the bad. We've talked about the good. Let's talk about the weird. And this one will be really short. Nintendo recently did their Switch Sports uh, trial event. Um, You had to, first off, scan a QR code, go to the website, get a code, put that into your Switch, download the game, be online at the right time, and then be able to play it. And I did that, but I can't tell you about any of it because you're not allowed to say anything about the experience of playing Switch Sports. So as much as I would love to sit here 
and talk about my experience playing that game, I'm not allowed to, and I'm not going to risk getting my YouTube channel taken down because I say something uh, that's, you know, that, that Nintendo gets wind of and decides to shut me down for talking about my experience. The thing is, is that I didn't sign an NDA. It's not like it was a closed beta or something that you had to apply for. Anybody that wanted to try it was able to try it. So why limit uh, the, the ability for people who've tried it to talk about it? But it just seems like a really weird decision from Nintendo. All right, let's move on and talk about the Steam Deck. Um, first off, the Steam Deck uh, embargo band-aids are all coming off on Friday. So uh, I personally am really excited about that. I can't wait to find out what the what, what all of the software stuff that up until now has not been allowed to be discussed by people who have their hands on a Steam Deck. Uh, so I expect to see a lot of information about that on Friday. So make sure that you tune in next week so that I can cover all that stuff. But let's let's talk about Steam as a whole. Um, I'm wondering if we get an update to Steam this week or next week with the Steam decks starting to be in the wild and everybody who, well, obviously not everybody, but the people who are lucky enough to get them in their hands, it makes sense to me for Valve to want to bring the design language of the Steam Deck and the design language of Steam and bring them together. When they first unveiled the Steam Deck, they kind of uh, said, hey, look, this is what Steam is going to be going forward. This is what it's going to look like. And we're going to see that on PC eventually. But if people have it, have the device in their hand, it would make sense for Steam on the PC and Steam on the Steam Deck to look similar. So I'm wondering if we get an update next week that changes the way that Steam looks. And I will say this. I think that Steam has continually improved over the years, but there's definitely issues with Steam that still drive me crazy to this day. The, like the idea of having a separate friends window that is not integrated into the actual overall UI has always driven me crazy, and I hope that they change that kind of thing. But I'm very interested to see if we do get an update on Steam, on PC, later on this week or next week. Let me know in the comment section down below, if you're watching this on the YouTube channel, uh, let me know what you think, if we're going to get that update or not. Make a prediction. All right. I want to talk real quick about Valve's recent change to uh, Steam sales. Uh, they, they, they recently made an announcement, which I think is a really, really important thing. Uh, let me tell you all of the specific discounting rules that are being changed and why I think it's good. Number one, Valve is changing it. So now you can run a launch discount, but once your launch discount ends, you cannot run any other discounts for 28 days. Number two, it is not possible to discount your product for 28 days following a price increase in any currency. I think that that's a really, really good one because what I think a lot of that, what, what they're doing here is they're trying to combat where a publisher might raise the price of a game and then put it on discount so that it's the same price as it was before, but now it's on sale and thus kind of tricking people into thinking that they're getting a deal when they're not really getting a deal. Uh, they also say discounts 
cannot be run within 28 days of your prior discount with the exception of Steam-wide seasonal events. They also go on to say you may not change your price while a promotion is live now or scheduled in the future. It is not possible to discount a product by more than 90% or less than 10%. Now, this one, the second half of that one makes a lot of sense to me because what a lot of, okay, I keep saying a lot of, but I don't want to say a lot of. What I've seen happen in the past is some publishers will put their game on discount for like 1% so that that way when you're on the Steam store and you click on show me the discounts, their game shows up as a discount, but you're really not saving. A, uh, the, the amount of money that you're saving is so insignificant that it really doesn't matter. The last piece that they say is that custom discounts cannot last longer than two weeks or run shorter than one day. Not run longer than two weeks. Okay, that makes sense to me because if a game is perpetually on discount, then it's not really on discount and you're just weaseling your way into the discount page. The shorter than one day thing, I'm kind of okay with because they could have like flash sales where, hey, it's on sale for the next eight hours. You can do a whole event on Twitter or something where you're doing a tweet storm and you're like, hey, everybody, we're going to put our game on sale for eight hours. It's going to be like an 80% discount, but after that, it's over. And I think that that could generate a lot of uh, revenue and a lot of sales for uh, companies that do that. And I'm trying to see what exactly is the downside for the consumer on that part. And I'm not sure what that is. Again, if you can think of why these things might happen, let me know in the comment section down below. All right, back to the Steam Deck. Valve announced when they first announced the Steam Deck, they announced that they were also going to be bringing a dock. And I cannot tell you how many times I've seen people asking, where is the dock? And now that we have the CAD files uh, for the Steam Deck, a lot of people are starting to design their own dock. And I've seen quite a few really, really good designs. Um, there's this one that you're looking at right now, if you're watching the YouTube video where they have like a curved cord that is kind of coming over the top, which is way better than what we saw when, uh, when valve had people out to actually play at, uh, this with the steam deck at their headquarters, they had like a series of right angle, um, adapters in order to get that thing docked and that looked terrible to me. So just the curved cord makes a lot of sense. But then this is the one that I always thought made the most sense is just docking it upside down. Like if I'm docking it, I'm not actually playing with the controls that are built into the Steam Deck. So it doesn't make any sense for it to have to be um, face up. It could just be upside down. Why are we talking about it being upside down? Because the USB-C port is on top of the Steam Deck rather than on the bottom. So if I were to design one, I would make make it so that you just put the Steam Deck in upside down and not worry about it. Or I would have it lay flat. The one disadvantage of having it upside down is the air is supposed to vent out the top of the Steam Deck. And if it's upside down, that's not going to work as well. Uh, having it so that it lays flat makes a little bit more sense, uh, in my opinion, and having it so that it's vertical also makes a little bit more sense. So 
I'm sure that whatever valve eventually ships is going to work really, really well. But I, I also want to applaud valve for making it so that you can just use any USB-C hub that you already have. I think a lot of people are just going to go without the dock and they'll just pl plug a USB-C hub into the top of it and plug things in that way. And I think that that's a really good move. Okay, before we move on to the lightning round, I have one more thing that I wanted to mention about Steam, and that is that Valve is hosting the Steam Next Fest, which they're saying is a celebration of upcoming games. There's a whole bunch of games on Steam that you can try out through demos. Um, like, I'm talking a ridiculous number of games that are currently on demo. So make sure that you check that out if you haven't. And let me know in the comments down below if you find any games that are particularly interesting. So maybe I can try them out and other people in the comment section can try those out as well. All right, on to the lightning round. So I'm in the middle of editing this video and I realized that I forgot to talk about Ubisoft and the fact that they're shopping themselves around. Essentially, uh, at a, an investor's call, Yves Guillemot, uh, who I probably pronounced his name wrong. Sorry, dude. Uh, he said that while we have the talent and we have the finance, the finances in order to continue to be independent, if somebody were to come uh, along with a big bag of money and perhaps offer to buy us, we would certainly consider that, which is kind of a weird thing. I think, and this is from memory, but I think I remember seeing in the past Ubisoft like fighting off somebody coming and trying to acquire them. And if you remember the details of that, let me know in the comment section down below. But it's definitely interesting to me. All right, quick lightning round things here at the end of the show. Number one, uh, I've been playing Vampire Survivors on my, my PC. That game is absolutely addictive and amazing. If you have not picked it up, it is three bucks on Steam. Check it out. You're going to have fun with it. I absolutely love this game. Number two, one of my all-time favorite video game experiences is playing Hutball in Star Wars The Old Republic. If you don't know what that is, Star Wars The Old Republic was is an MMO that came out about 10 years ago. By the way, I think it's just getting a new update recently, um, but that's beside the point. And one of the PvP modes in that MMO was Hutball. It was a team versus team sport where you had to control a ball, a hot ball, the rock dogs versus the, the mudworms or something. I can't remember the name of the two teams, but it was always being said in the background as you were playing. And as you're trying to control the ball, there's these traps on the field that you have to worry about, like fire pits and spike traps and stuff like that. And of course, you're playing in Star Wars, so that means you have bounty hunters with grappling guns and uh, Jedi with force push and stuff like that. It's an absolute blast. And the thing that I'm really excited about is Star Wars Hunters, which is this uh, basically a 4v4 Star Wars game that's coming out later this year to phones and the Nintendo Switch. They are stealing Hutball and bringing it into their game. So I don't play Star Wars The Old Republic anymore, but I'm absolutely 100% interested in revisiting Hutball. I think back when I was playing that 10 years ago, I think I said more than once, this should be a game on its own. And now 
it kind of is going to be, and that's really exciting. All right, everybody, that's it for today's episode of Games with Bill. Thank you for hanging out with me and watching the video or listening to the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Uh, if you're watching this video over on the YouTube channel, make sure you click all of those buttons and now watch this video right here.